Come on this Sunday morning, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and I didn't see too many wheelchairs rolling people in after this uh, very busy week. I'm sure that uh, you've all survived. I asked someone earlier if they were fed up, and uh, they said yes. So I trust that uh, you're doing well today. We welcome you. It's good to have guests with us as well, and I hope that you'll be made to feel welcome. And uh, if you're visiting today, I hope that you'll take a moment, fill out one of our connection cards, or you could do it online. There's a way to connect with that there on the screen if your camera can zoom in on that. And, uh, but also there's a digital way to do that online. And I hope that you'll take a moment and uh, let us be introduced. If you're regular attenders, if you have some prayer requests or different needs that uh, you'd like to share with us, there's ways to do that online as well through that connection card. And uh, so make sure that you're communicating with us as the needs arise. We're glad to I welcome you and hopefully encourage our hearts here together as we worship together this morning. A few things to let you in on and make sure that you're aware of. You'll notice in the bulletin there's several pieces of information that are available to you, and I'm only going to highlight a couple of them. First of all, as you walked in today, uh, there were some individuals who had some baskets, and it's with our communion cups. Now, it's a little bit different design, and uh, we, we actually did some taste testing on these, and uh, we're hoping that they're a little bit better. But the one thing that I want to explain to you, some of us are used to the wafer being up on the top and, uh, you know, the juice and everything there. Uh, the wafer is on the bottom of these, and uh, so here's a word of advice, don't open the juice side first, okay? Uh, that might uh, put more in your lap than you bargained for, okay? Uh, but just recognize a little bit different, uh, but at the same time, we are, we are looking at trying to improve, uh, especially during this time where we are still using this style of uh, communion cup, and uh, so make sure that you take note of that. But uh, today we are celebrating that and remembering that, and uh, so if you didn't get one on your way in, uh, during the service, at the end of it, uh, we'll be having the ushers go back through, or feel free, they'll be staying in the back for a little bit longer, and uh, you can feel free to get up and uh, grab one of those for you or your family members and uh, get those here for this morning. And we welcome any of you that know Christ as your personal Savior. Uh, to take part in that today, and uh, so we welcome you to uh, take one of those and share with that uh, moment with us at the end of the service here today. Uh, out on the foyer, you're going to see this little booklet, How to Have a Happy Christmas, and uh, this is something that uh, you're being encouraged. We're encouraging you to uh, pick a few of these up, hand these out. This is a way of communicating the gospel. It's more or less through a uh, kind of a, a storyline, but also really just kind of an explanation. There's a little bit more to the narrative here. And uh, just sharing the gospel with someone is a way for you to share that. On the back as well, there's a sticker that has uh, information about our Christmas service that we're having on December the 11th. And uh, so that is just something to be able to share as also an invite to others, uh, especially if they need to hear the gospel and looking forward to celebrating that, uh, that message being clearly taught as well and shared on December the 11th uh, for our Christmas cantata. So a few things there that uh, make sure that you're aware of. There's other pieces of information out in the foyer, other information that uh, I'd love for you to take part in and to make sure you're aware of. And uh, so hopefully stop by and check that out as well. Sign-up lists are still available for our small groups, uh, looking to get some of those started maybe once a month. Uh, for some, others might be twice a month. It's really about your group. And uh, we have several that are already going. But if you have questions about small group, uh, 
back. You talk with Kelly O'Rear, he'll be standing out there in the foyer after the service and uh, fill you in on that. As well as information about our, uh, our electives, our different Bible studies, things that are going on. Uh, those are information pieces that are in the bulletin. There's classes that are meeting today. Uh, just a simple reminder as well, there are no evening activities tonight. Uh, so enjoying sort of this a little bit longer weekend, but uh, we know that uh, several of you have been traveling. You got here this morning, grateful for that. But uh, at the same time, we, we recognize that it's a little bit difficult with us getting our schedules back and getting adjusted. And uh, so plan uh, no evening activities tonight. And uh, we'll see you, Lord willing, next Sunday night uh, as WANA and studies get back into action and get back into course there. A few other details and that little insert about the holiday schedule. And uh, so hopefully, uh, as you look at that, make sure that uh, you're aware of what's going on uh, in the, the next few weeks, especially as we get into the month of December. Uh, schedules and uh, some time changes for the, some of the services, especially on December the 25th. Uh, that Christmas day is also a Sunday, and uh, so we've adjusted our morning service there, and uh, so information about that as well. Don't forget to be praying for our missionary of the week, that's uh, Chris and Joy Petty, and uh, they are uh, working in the recruitment part of the mission board with SIM, S-I-M, and uh, continue to pray for them and appreciate their ministry and their work and their family, and uh, just remember them if you would. Students go back to school tomorrow, so be in prayer for them because they're all just chomping at the bit today. It's sort of like they were getting up this morning excited to go back to school tomorrow. Right. I would just make sure you're all awake still, okay? And uh, so be in prayer for them, Heidi especially. I mean, she's just looking, she just can't believe, overjoyed, overwhelmed. And uh, but pray for our school, pray for the different ones who are serving, teaching uh, in our public schools and Christian schools and different area ministries uh, serving in this generation. Just continue to pray that the Lord will continue to have an impact on this next generation. So thinking through those opportunities, if you would. Well, there are some that we're praying for specifically, and uh, just keep our hearts and minds in tune. There uh, are those that uh, had some very surprising news, like uh, Jim Phillips this week, and uh, not been feeling well, and then discoveries he has cancer in his lungs. And uh, so just, you know, just things happen. Life has a way of turning yourself on a dime, it feels like. And uh, so uh, it's always important to have a heart that is praying one for another, being open to what the Lord is doing, and uh, just to be encouraging to one another. Continue to pray for Beth Bennett. And uh, they were um, around some family, or not necessarily around them, but had close family that had COVID. And uh, they're trying to stay healthy. Continue to pray for Beth as she continues to recover from that torn aorta. Continue to pray for Ashley Gilmore, who is home on bed rest, but he, heading into the hospital uh, in the next week or two here and uh, will be there uh, for quite a long stint of time as they prepare for that delivery uh, in the f next few weeks ahead. So be in prayer for her. Uh, be in prayer for um, different ones that uh, have just been going through some of these situations with extended family. I think about the blushes and, uh, and uh, just the time there with uh, Tyler and uh, the daughter and, and other families. So just different ones here and make sure that you remember these are people that we care about and uh, so we pray like we care. And uh, so asking the Lord to just continue to provide and give strength in these situations in life. There's a verse that we've been focusing on, and today throughout our service, we've asked a couple of individuals to uh, come during the service time and to offer a prayer of thanksgiving. 
and uh, to encourage our hearts. But this verse is the verse that we have been looking at and thinking about as Paul writes in Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. And so as we prepare our hearts for another busy season, as we enter into the month of December, as we head into the season of Christmas and all the anticipation with that, uh, it is important for us to not lose sight for which we are thankful, having a heart of gratitude and appreciation. And so today, again, as we think about and come out of the holiday aspect of Thanksgiving, I hope that it is something that just resonates within our heart all year round, a heart of gratitude. I'm going to ask Gavin Gramack if he would to come and prepare our hearts in the attitude of thankfulness. And as he shares some things with us this morning, and as he and then Brent Beasley later on in the service call us to attention to the idea of thankfulness, I hope that our hearts will truly resonate and to pray with them, responding in our hearts to what the Lord has in store for us. So Gavin, you come and open our time here in prayer. First, I wanted to thank those who have given to the Ukraine projects in recent months. I know those have uh, really been encouraged to our brothers and sisters in that region. I mentioned that because we've had the privilege of having a couple of young ladies uh, from Ukraine in our academy this year. Some of you may have met their family a few weeks ago, the Barashenkos, that are sitting right in here during our missions emphasis when they visited. I've been able to have Veronica, she's a junior this year, and then her older sister, Angelina, is a senior. I think this is Bob, Dr. Euler, and uh, Mr. Compton, We should be grateful for every cloud in the sky, no matter how dark it is. 
because it is not smoke from an explosion. We should be grateful for every drop of rain because it is not our tears. We should be grateful for the silence at night and for the planes that fly over us because they are not military ones. We should be grateful for peace and grace. I thank God for saving my family and bringing us to a peaceful country. And even though it is not easy for us to settle in a new country, I know that he will not leave us. He will save Ukraine and everyone who turns to him with a request for protection and blessing. Again, I want to thank Aunt Helena Vereshenko for that testimony. If you would, let's stand and we're going to pray before we sing. Father, we praise you for you are the provider in our lives. You meet our every need. We thank you for your grace and mercy that you show to us on a daily basis. Thank you for giving us daily bread. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins. Thank you for protection from evil. We praise you for the great things that you have done for us and for your holy name in which we pray. Amen. Thank you, Gavin. We definitely have things to be thankful for this morning, and I'm thankful that we can meet together and we can lift praises to our awesome God. So I hope that you'll join in with us this morning as we do that, and you'll be blessed as we sing together. So begin this morning, we're singing Everlasting God. Sing with us. Strength arises, we wait upon.
you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hand from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. Oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire and the darkest night. You are close like no other. Can you hear me? <laughs> um, 
I was asked to give a prayer of thanksgiving, and I'm going to pray what's on my heart this morning, but I just want to say how thankful I am for each one of you. Um, I could give story after story after story of how many of you have intervened in my life and my family's life, and you have meant so much to us, and we are proud to call Grace our home, and you have made it our home, and, and we are forever grateful for that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Dear God, I just want to um, I just want to lift my voice up to you along with everyone else's this morning. And God, I want to thank you for family and friends. Um, this week has definitely reminded me of how important our family is. And God, each one of us has a special little pod that you have placed us in. And all of our family members are foreordained by you. And God, with all our warts, our faults, um, all of the um, weaknesses that we each have, you bring a perfect family into our lives and you make us part of a perfect family. And I am so grateful for that, God. And I am so thankful for the Grace family. I think of the last two and a half years of struggle that we've been through. We have lost so much, but yet, God, you have given us so much. And each one here has meant so much to me. And I know that everyone here is divinely placed by you. And I thank you for the encouragement that, um, that they have given me. And God, help us to not lose heart, but continue to praise you for all that you're doing. Lord, we thank you for providing a home for our school. Moores Hill Baptist has reached their arms around us and loved on us and welcomed us and told us over and over again how much they appreciate us being there and how much they are enjoying ministering to us as we minister to the students at Grace. And God, we thank you for that. God, we thank you for our home here, and we thank you for the SDA church and for the same thing, God, for them just loving on us and making us feel welcome. And God, we thank you for, even though we don't have a permanent home, we still have a home, and we're home when we're together, and we're worshiping you. And God, I just want to say also I'm thankful for our leadership and the countless hours that they have that they have spent praying and thinking about and talking about and getting ready for the next move to be made on the chessboard. And I know, God, that um, they have given up family time, Lord, to be about our church's business. And I pray, God, you would bless each and every one of them for doing that and for spending so many hours making sure, God, that we end up where we're supposed to end up and have what we're supposed to have. And I'm thankful for their hearts, that they love us that much. And God, I'm thankful for Adam and Kelly, that you brought them at just the right time. I can't imagine that they, for one second, thought about what you would be bringing into their lives and our lives. But God, yet you brought the right men and the right woman into our lives and you've used them in a mighty, mighty way to carry us through a very difficult time. And I thank you for their family. And I pray, God, for your protection and blessing upon them. And God, I just want to say 
I'm thankful for the trials because it's kept us humble. It's reminded us that we need you. We need you every second of every day. And we know, God, you're going to carry us through this and you're going to bring us home on the other side. And we're praising your name for that right now, God. And we love you and we know you care for us. And we know you will lead us. God, I thank you for new opportunities that are coming our way that we're, we don't even know about yet. But you're going to place them in our lives. And it's because of what we've been through that we're going to have those opportunities. So God, thank you for that. Thank you for the trials in our life that you use to perfect us. We just pray for our service this morning. And we're thankful that we had the freedom to speak truth and to walk in the light of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Colossians chapter 3 this morning, if you would please. Colossians chapter 3. I appreciate these reminders as well as the call to pray and to be encouraged in what the Lord is doing and the way that he challenges our hearts in, the, in this season. Last week I encouraged us to think about a peaceful Thanksgiving and this morning I'd like for us to think about a shared Thanksgiving. In Colossians chapter 3, I'd like to pick it up in verse 12, and we're jumping in. This is beginning here, and our English, he begins with a conjunction. It's, it's something that he is tying together with a, a statement, a series of thoughts that have come before, but we'll kind of tie those together a little bit later on here in the message. But jumping in here in verse 12, there are some things that Paul sort of summarizes some things as he is getting ready then to take them into some other practical expressions. And he begins here in verse 12, as I'm reading, says, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to, in which, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So we come into this thought, we come now to this Sunday, the Sunday following Thanksgiving between the large meals, the leftovers, the shopping, and dealing with the large crowds. This Sunday could almost feel like a blur to most of us. And some of us are still trying to remember how to bend over and tie our shoes, and some of you are still trying to figure out where that thing is you purchased on Friday, where did it end up? Where did that thing go to? But today we come together again with just a few days before entering into another busy season of Christmas parties and more shopping, and then there is this thing called the celebration of Christ's birth. Oh yeah, let's not forget that, right? And the next thing you know, we're going to be entering into New Year. And boy, this year is already feeling like it's done and gone. And yet, the question is, is are you thankful yet? Last week, we talked about 
the way of thanksgiving and how it was celebrated in what the Old Testament called the peace offering. And the other name for that offering was also called a fellowship offering, which is an interesting way of tying together the relationship of this animal sacrifice that is being offered and how it was meant to be shared with other people. As you brought your animal and it was performed and it was ceremoniously dealt with just like any other type of animal sacrifice, it was brought before the altar, its throat was slit, the blood was drained, it was poured out around that altar. This sounds really appetizing, doesn't it? But in that sense then, there was an appreciation of something given, something sacrificed, something that is a token of. And in this case, it wasn't for sin. This is not for guilt. This is not for trespasses. This is not a burnt, whole burnt sacrifice. This is something that was meant to be given as a way of then introducing the fellowship. And some of it was given to the priests, as who the ones that were there as God's representatives, as to the ambassadors of God's holiness, the protectors of it. But then it was also, you invited your friends, you invited the family, you you invited people to come and you shared this meal together around the idea of what it meant to have peace. And one of those peace offerings is this offering of thanksgiving. It was prescribed and the people of Israel were called to give thanks and when they did, it was meant to be shared. I want you to think a moment with me. How can you be thankful for anything unless another person is involved? How can you be thankful for anything unless another person is involved? You say, well, wait a minute, I'm thankful for the air that I breathe. Well, who gave you the air? I'm thankful that my heart is still beating. Who's allowing the ticker to still tick? If we don't stop and realize the only thing that we are thankful for is something that is gifted to us either by God himself or something that someone else has prescribed to us, given to us, and where did they receive that? To be thankful means that I am dependent upon the activity, the actions, something that has been done for me by someone else to be thankful. If you stop and think about it, what does the atheist truly have to be thankful for unless it is because someone else provided for him or her what could not be provided for by themselves? And what do we as believers have that we are truly thankful for? Paul is writing to a group of people in Colossae here, and he has been reminding them of their position in Christ. If you go with me back to chapter 2 for just a minute, go back to chapter 2 and look at verse 6, and a statement that he makes here in this passage as he he leads up to these thoughts in chapter 3. He says in chapter 2 and verse 6, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. What did it take for you to get saved? What did it come? What was necessary for you to have a relationship with this God? Whatever that is, walk inside of that understanding. For by grace we have been saved. It is through faith. It is the measure, the testimony of God's mercies that we are not consumed. It is because he is long-suffering. He is a gentle, benevolent God. This God who so loved you that he was willing to give everything, even himself, to die for you. As you have received Christ Jesus, walk in him. 
Thinking about that attitude of thankfulness is what Paul picks up on throughout this entire book. Understand that six times in this book, Paul reminds and encourages the people of Colossae of what they are to be thankful for. He begins this back in chapter 1. Go back to chapter 1. Look at verse 3 here. He says, we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. It is like Paul says, every time I think of you Colossian people, I have to give thanks. I give thanks for what God has done in your life. And then he goes on in chapter 1 and verse 12, skip down to verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. This is something we're grateful for. That the nasty now and now is not all that there is. There is something resplendent, something more glorious to come. We have an inheritance to those of us who are in the light of Christ's understanding through what he has given us as the day star dawning within our hearts. We have an understanding of hope and we give thanks. In chapter 3 where we were just at, we find thankfulness is mentioned three times in verses 15, 16, and 17. And then over in chapter 4 and verse 2 where he says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Has your prayer life turned into a grocery list of needs? Has it turned into an organ recital? You know what I mean by that? You know, my knees are hurting, my organs are hurting, my heart, my stomach, my this or that. You know, has it turned into some organ recital for God? A recitation of all our ilks and ills? Or is it still bathed in thanksgiving? That I enter into the throne room of grace, as Hebrews chapter 4 reminds me, that anytime there is need, whether it is for the physical, the spiritual, the mental, the emotional, whatever it is in my life, I can come boldly before the throne of grace at any time and area of my life because I can come with a heart that is grateful for what he has done. Everything that he has provided for me, what he has given to me, as I receive Christ, I walk in that understanding. Having an attitude of gratitude and being thankful, we have so much to be thankful for. And even if we only have Christ, that is more than enough to be thankful for. Based on what we share in Christ, what I see in this passage, when I want to look at in Colossians chapter 3 again, going back to verses 12 through verse 17, I want to give you four challenges that Paul gives to these believers to be thankful about here in these verses. Four just simple sort of what I would say are declarative, exclamatory sentences that he would use here as a way of encouraging them and motivating them as we look through these verses. So looking again at verses 12 through 14, I would say first of all where he says here is have a heart. Have a heart. He says in verse 12, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart. It's the idea that this is not something that you were born with. This is something that comes because of this relationship that you share in the person of Jesus Christ. Have a heart, a heart that is filled with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. A heart that is bearing, the idea of this bearing with one another is putting up with them. Any of you have that weird aunt? Oh, I'm sorry, I've got some aunts and uncles here. I can't tell if my kids are here. You know, family always introduces these opportunities for us to test our sensitivities, right? And we get together and we do life and we have, and it's fun. It's, it's a great time. 
But this isn't just around the Thanksgiving meal time. This is not just what we do because, well, you know what? It's that time of the year and we just know we're going to have to put up with it. No, this is the conduct of my life. In all of the areas of my life, this is the heart that I model. This is what comes out of me. And I'll say, you know, for me personally, there was a day or two in this, this time off that I had, I was kind of a little bit of a grumpy bear. My kids will attest to that. They'll give testimony to that to you later, all right? And, you know, it's this sense of sometimes we just let things bother us and things disrupt the flow of things or there's areas of life that we're dealing with and we don't know how to respond. And then who receives the brunt of that? Who gets the intuition of our heart? How do they see that? Is it hearts of compassion and gentleness and kindness? Where does that come from? You ever heard of the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, faith. Uh, oh, the evidencing of the Holy Spirit working his way through your life. Is he your heart? It's hard to be thankful and grumpy. Because usually the heart that is disrupted, a heart that is indifferent, a heart that is bitter, a heart that is calcified and calcitrant, and a heart that just is caustic, isn't a heart that's filled with much to be thankful for. Because you're usually thinking more of yourself than you are of somebody else. Compassion is done to someone else. Bearing long with somebody is to someone else. Showing kindness is meant to be done to someone else. Have a heart. It's the outpouring of these attributes that exist within, then are expressed without love, as he says there in verse 14, beyond all of these things put on love. And what does this love do? It's the perfect bond of unity. It's what allows us to share our Thanksgiving experience. Your willingness to forgive it's the love that binds us together. It kind of goes back again to the thought that we've preached on several months ago in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. This is the commandment that I write unto you, that you love one another. How will the world know who you are following? How will they know whose disciple you are? It's by the way that you show your love one to another. It becomes the bond of our unity. And so your willingness to forgive will only come when your heart is not bound by bitterness. Your ability to have compassion is when your love is for others more than yourself and you can be aware of the needs of others above your own. So you can, as Philippians chapter 2 says, you can esteem others as more significant, more important than yourself. Love sees the need and does for the other person what they are not worthy of, let alone capable of. Love also sees what is best for someone and does it so that that person does not have to do it. You see, love steps in and does. Love comes from a heart that has been loved. Love is the activity of your heart's desire. Do you have a heart? Do you love Christ? Well, how do you love Christ? Do you love your enemy? How do you love your enemy? Do you love your family? How do you love your family? To say you love is followed by the activity and not just the expression of the words. And so Paul reminds us here, have a heart. 
Again, as he said in chapter 2 and verse 6, as you have received, as you have been the witness of, the bearer of, the recipient of the love of Christ, walk inside of that love. Let it be the change, the course, the conduct of your existence. You love as Christ loved. And it brings this bond of unity. And in that bond of unity comes the opportunity to appreciate, to be thankful by faith and by grace and by mercy and by faithfulness, by love, walk with others in the same way. So put on a heart, have a heart. These things that model, that bring together, that unite our hearts. This is where a church can grow. This is where a family can grow. This is where a spouse with their spouse can grow. This is where as children, between children as siblings, love is what allows us to grow. In in every relationship, because of the fact that it is my participation with you, less about your participation, participation with me, it is how am I loving you and less about how you're loving me. Have a heart. Are you compassionate? Do you model kindness? Is in every idle word that comes out of your mouth as you stand accountable before God for those words that you speak, are they words that express the love of Christ? Even the one that's under your breath. And then Paul changes a bit the tone from what must be inside, and he moves to some resulting activities. Once our heart is in the right place, he gives us then the second challenge, and he says this in verse 15, to be at peace. So not only have a heart, but then he comes to verse 15, and he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. So he begins to framework a question mark of, so where is your heart? If it's not in love, then you're in selfishness, you're in pride, you are in something that is an animosity, and you're going to resist any opportunity then to invite other people into your world. And that breeds conflict. Get that. There's the conflict. And so he turns to verse 15 and he says, be at peace. Let peace rule in your heart. It is the peace of Christ. It's an interesting way that this verse is framed. So it's the peace of Christ that's ruling in your hearts. It's not like a segment peace. It is that sense of his abiding calmness, rest. It's, it's not the absence of turmoil. There is still turmoil that's happening all around you, but it's where in your heart you are at peace. And it's the peace from Christ. Now, it's an interesting way he puts this. You know, the same peace that Christ possessed that's inside of me? Or is it that it's the possession of Christ that brings me the peace that I'm longing for? And I would say it's both in part and the same. It's, it's the equal abundance of both of them. It's the fact that Christ was at peace even in the midst of a cross. It's the fact that Christ could be at peace in the midst of a a boat out on the, the turmoil of the sea. It is that Christ is at peace because he is the prince of peace. And that prince of peace now lives inside of me because of the indwelling Holy Spirit. And so that same peace 
is now supposed to be inside of me in my heart. Let the peace of Christ rule. So why are we so filled with anxiety? Why are we so filled with the sense of turmoil and frustration? Why is it then that we're letting the opinions and the surmisings, the viewpoints of others dictate how we look at ourselves or look at the world around us? It's the indwelling of Christ and having your soul that is at peace with God that grants to you the change of heart, no matter what the circumstances of life. It's the message that the angels brought where they declared peace on earth. Wait a minute, there's no peace? The Romans are still in charge? There's no peace? This false religiosity is still there? There's no peace? Yes, there was, and it was in a little manger in a little town called Bethlehem, Because peace had entered into our world. It is the hope of our union with Christ. The shared possession of life that he has granted to us. And he says that we are to be at peace. Maybe your priorities are just out of alignment. And maybe your pursuits are out of control. Or maybe your passions are just not in harmony with Christ. Be at peace. Get your heart back on track and get in alignment with God. And this allows then the bond of peace, the bond of Christ to grant the comfort, to give to us the sense of purpose that is found in spite of what the rest of life looks like around us. So why are you harboring a grudge? Why are you so caught up in being the judge and the juror and attempting to do the justice of God? Why are you at odds? What is going on between you and another person? Why is there conflict? I remember how James put in James chapter 4 and verse 1 where he wrote this. He says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? Where is the conflict? What do you long for more than Christ? And what do you believe that God is holding out on you with? And what does someone have that you desire more than loving another person as Christ would love them? Why is it that we are not fulfilling his command? So where's my heart and where's my peace? Why are you so at war? Be at peace. And so Paul then adds more to this ministry from the heart when he moves into verse 16 And he says to us here in verse 16 now, listen up. This becomes our opportunity to take notice of what he has to say. And he says in verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Not just a bare acquaintance. Not just simply a familiarity. Not just good enough to find where the books of the Bible are and have them memorized. It's not just good enough to be able to tell some fancy story that came out of the Old Testament. It's not enough just to even be able to walk somebody down a Roman's road. But to let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. It's like the idea of what is the adorning of our heart. What is the adornment of our mind? What is it that we decorate our rooms with? within our soul. Every time we've moved, my wife has felt it important to add to the collection of our decor. 
We walk into a new house. I just don't like my style anymore. Style? We have style? Yes. Okay. What is it going to look like this time? I don't know. Hobby Lobby, here we come. When we first got married, it was apples. Apple everything. Our couch was red and green. You thought you were in Christmas all year round. And it was that hunter green, that candy apple red. And then we got into the chicken phase. I call it chicken. I think it's called cottage or something like that. And it was sort of with a dab of seashore or something or other. I don't know. And now we're into something distressful. I don't know if that's even a thing anymore. It distresses me. <laughs> but we're moving out of distressing. I just want you to know that. That's not in anymore. We're leaving it. I don't know where we're headed, but she will let me know because I'll have something to hang up fresh and new next week, all right? Hobby Lobby's telling me what we're going to be into this next year. I love it, and I really do, and I think it's fun because, you know, after in, those of you who have been married much longer than I mean, 26 years of marriage, and it's a lot of fun to look back on this and to think about that. But what's decorating your heart? What is your style? What are you known by? And Paul says, what I am known by is what God's word instructs of me. It's what tunes my heart. It's, it's what richly, it's what I go long after. It is what I sleep with and wake up with. This is what I long for, that the word of Christ would richly dwell in my heart. Is your life such a contradiction that what is going on on the inside and leaking out to those around you is making it difficult to be ministered to or for you to minister to others? Then listen up is what Paul is saying. Stop making excuses. Start letting the word of God set you free because it's the truth that makes you free. Be at peace so that you can live in compassion and that you can love others more than yourself. Let the ministry of the word flow out of you and so much so that it is music to the ears of the others that hear your life. And it's like the way he says that we communicate, letting this richly dwell within you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Again, we're sharing in this. And what are we sharing? These words, these psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing how with thankfulness in our hearts. God's word gives you the answers to the deepest of life's questions. And you keep running to the latest and greatest book on Barnes and Noble's shelf instead of turning to the word that gets you heart free and for which you can truly be thankful because it works. So listen up. Teach and be taught. Listen to the word of God. And with that, Paul something leaves one last quick charge to them in verse 17. And this is what I call just do it. It was in high school. I was part of a singing ensemble that would travel from our school and the church that we attended. And we'd go into these other churches and we'd sing. And so we'd be there a lot of times and the pastor would get up and he would preach his Sunday morning message or something like that. And one of these messages I remember him entitling, being a Nike Christian, just do it. It's still stuck in my head. 
Be the type of person that no matter where you are and where you go, you are Christ on the scene. He says here in verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You do everything for the glory of God and not for your own glory. In the little details, when no one is looking, does the glory of God abound. And when you're in the presence of many witnesses, do they applaud you or do they recognize Christ at work in you? And what I love about all of these verses and it's how Paul brings the minds of these Colossian believers back to a place of being thankful, where he says here in verse 15 again, be thankful. He says in verse 16, with thankfulness. He says in verse 17, give thanks. So this is not a November event. This is a lifelong expression, just like the worship of our existence is. It's not just a momentary experience. It's a lifelong expression. Our hearts, our attitudes should be ones where I am wholly dependent upon God. Every day I am thankful because I need him and what he has provided to me in heart, in peace, in the ministry of his word, in the sense that he has given to me a purpose. He's given me truth to live by. I'm thankful. It's hard to be mad at God when you're thankful to God. It's hard to find fault with God's behavior when you're grateful for what he has supplied. It's hard to be upset with the people that he puts into your life when you see them as Christ sees them, not as enemies of my making. It's hard to splinter into faction when the bond of peace, the bond of love brings your hearts together and you share together in this attitude of gratitude and a thankful spirit. It's hard to be divided when you're thankful for the other person. And it's hard to be distant from God when you're truly thankful for who he is. Your heart is reflected in your ability to thank Christ for his gift and to enjoy the gift of the company that he has placed you inside of, that we are now his body, that we belong to his people now. We are a part of his family and we are to be thankful. We are at peace. Be thankful so we can communicate an understanding of his communicating within our souls now and we are thankful we can walk in the ministry of the world in 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 the word and be able to live in this world because God is our God and we live in such a way that we express him wherever we go and we are thankful it's, it's a contradiction from being bound in our sins is what he was talking about in the first part of this chapter. If you go back to chapter 3, verse 5, he says, consider the members of your earthly body as dead too. And he lists a whole bunch of things here. Immorality, impurities, passions, and evil desires, and greed. <coughs> which basically is idolatry. And he, he writes all about that. I mean, he goes down to verse 8. Anger, wrath, malice, slander abusive speech you're lying you used to lie to one another he says there in verse 9 and you've laid aside the old self with its evil practices you're putting on the new self in verse 10 renewed in a true knowledge according to the image of the one who's created you and so verse 12 because you've been chosen by God do these things are you still a slave to your passions 
You're still wrapped up in your inadequate attempts to make this life have you as the center of the universe. And maybe you're struggling to have compassion, to find joy, to have a purpose for life, or simply to be at peace because you're attempting to do it in your own glory and in your own strength. And this is what Christ shares with us. He shares himself. He came, he wrapped himself in flesh, Christmas, and he suffered our humiliation, died our death, Easter, and he brought us into peace with God and a peace that can only come from knowing him as our God. Let me ask you this morning, is he your God? Is he your God? He shares himself, his sacrificial, selfless nature with us. Now he wants you to go and share yourself with others. And whatever you do in word or deed, you do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Be Christ to others and do so because you're grateful for what he has done and is doing and what he will one day do for you when we stand with him for all of eternity. This is a shared thanksgiving. You can't do it alone. You need him. And I hope you know him. And I hope that you're living him as much as you are loved by him. You're loving others because of Christ. Father, I pray as we make ready to close and observe the sacrifice that you have provided for us, I pray that Lord, you would magnify yourself in the sacrifice that you made in the sense that you became our peace. And we are thankful that everything that we could hope to receive from you is because of your benevolence and your kindness. And everything that is good that we now turn around and thank you for is because that is your nature. You are that good God who gives out of the goodness of your heart. And so, Lord, we stop and we say, thank you. I thank you for being my God. Not a God amongst the many, but the one supreme, above all others, God. And so, Lord, tear down the idols of my heart, vanquish the attempts of my flesh. Call me to a life that is wholly dedicated to living out your word and the expression of your love to others. And help me to be within that bond of peace, within that bond of love, calling other people to see you and letting our hearts be thankful. Speak as only your word can and only the spirit of God can in our life. And may we be a thankful people. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Just a minute, we're going to take a moment to observe the communion. If you didn't receive one of those cups in just a little bit, our usher's going to be back here at the front and they're going to walk their way back and just put your hand up quickly and they will send one through to you as we make ready to observe that together. And thinking about his sacrifice for us, are you thankful this morning for what he has given to us? Let's stand together and sing this song and then our ushers will make their way through and prepare our hearts to worship.
be seated. Mark chapter 14 is where Christ again is accounted for in the gospel of Mark where he talks in verse 22 that while they were eating he took some bread and after a blessing he broke it and he gave it to them and said take it this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And after singing a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Again, this is that picture of a, of a sacrifice. This is something that was to observe a sacrifice that was done so many years ago as they were coming out of the land of Egypt, the feast of the Passover, an animal that was offered there as a way of, of nullifying death, of removing a curse. And everything about this was the hope that was found in the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. There's two elements that were involved in this particular way of sharing this and what was the significance of that. There was the bread and there is the cup and the idea of the juice, the wine that was there is something that signifies both his body and his blood, the fullness, the, the abundance of his willingness, his sacrifice. So take a moment, open that bottom portion there and take out that little wafer and recognizing as we make ready to observe his body, this is something he says, this is what is broken. This is something that is offered freely. This is my body. Everything that united him together, everything that made him who he was as visible and seen, he's saying, I'm going to take that and I'm going to be identified with you and your humanity and I'm going to suffer your death. And for that church, we are thankful. Amen? This is our heart of gratitude and thankfulness. And so he brings this to our attention and he has asked us to remember him when we do this. And so taking the bread now, let's remember his sacrifice within his body. Take it and eat it. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? And the cross, and the cross, where I first saw the light, and the that he took a cup. This wasn't the only cup, but this cup was significant because it represented that which was to come. Hope, the sacrifice that would be offered, something that was significant. It was something that spoke of redemption. And this becomes then the token. This becomes the symbol of his blood. As he says in verse 24, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. I hope this morning that you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. I hope that you have a personal relationship with him. I hope that you recognize his sins were not upon himself. He had no sin. But his sins were because he became the bearer of my sin. He took my sin. He became sin for me. And him that knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness. And for that, those of us who know him as our savior, we are thankful. 
And so this morning, we take into our body, we take into fellowship, we share together in what Christ has done for us. This is my blood. Drink ye all of it. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God, Messiah, Holy One. Thank you, O my Father, for stand together for a closing word of prayer. <clears throat> Father, I pray as we make ready to leave and go into our time of fellowship, to go into our discipleship hour, Lord, as we fill these days ahead with a lot of things on calendars, as we celebrate a season of Christmas, Lord, I pray that our hearts will enter into each of these days with a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. As Brent prayed, Lord, even the trials of life, because we never know what even the end of this year will bring, the start of a new year. We don't even know if our life will make it through to the end of this evening. But Lord, we're grateful that those of us who know you as our Savior, we have this calm assurance and this rest that we are at peace. No matter what may come, this is not all there is. We have something greater that's in store for us, something better. Lord, I'm grateful for the, the promise of your peace, the promise of your presence. Father, I pray that you'll help us to be encouraged. May we walk out of here determined. Lord, may we truly be your people. And we'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Please take these with you if you would. There are some trash cans in the back. God bless you. Enjoy the fellowship time. That's a follow back in our fellowship hall. And then hopefully you'll stay with us for the discipleship hour at 11 o'clock. You're dismissed.